Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather all the people, young and old, children and infants. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits, for he forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. We welcome you to this Ash Wednesday service. Brothers and sisters, tonight we begin the ancient journey of Lent. We walk with Christ on the road to Jerusalem, to his death on the cross, and into the joy of Resurrection Sunday. It is a road that the church has walked for 2,000 years. We begin the journey marked with ashes, an ancient sign that speaks of human frailty and the uncertainty of human life. A sign of our heartfelt repentance and of our desire to place our trust and our hope in God alone. I invite you in the name of the Lord and of his church to observe a holy Lent by self-examination, penitence, prayer, fasting, giving, gathering in worship, reading, and meditating on the word of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Tonight we come to acknowledge our mortality and our sin and to remember that nothing can separate us from your love through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Let us stand and sing together. God of day and God of darkness, now we stand before the night as the shadows stretch and deepen come and make our darkness bright all creation still is groaning for the dawning of your night when the sun of peace and justice fills the earth
is speak, O Lord. want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to the book of Galatians, a book we will be studying during this season of Lent. Page 187 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. 
I'll be reading from Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 5. Hear now God's word to us. Paul, an apostle sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And from chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, Brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive your word by faith. May your Holy Spirit bless us this evening as we fix our eyes upon Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We ask this now in his name. Amen. What is your passion? Think about that for a moment. What is your passion? What is your passion in life? When was the last time you asked yourself that question? When was the last time someone asked you that question? What is your passion in life? A week ago Tuesday, I received a text from a young man who had gone through our youth ministry back in the day. He had recently graduated from college, and he was thinking about what he might want to do with the next chapter of his life. He asked if we could meet up, and I texted him back, and I said, you know what? I take a walk almost every morning. How about meeting up, taking a walk, and we can talk about life. Several minutes went by, and he took me up on my offer. Yesterday morning, as we started out on our walk, I could see that he had a lot on his shoulders. He was dealing with all of the expectations that a newly graduated student can encounter. Along with it, all of the advice so many people were sharing with him over the last several months. Now, clearly, he was overwhelmed by it all. And I looked over at him as we started our walk, and his shoulders were low, kind of hunched over. His eyes were looking down, and he moved very slowly 
as we started out this walk together. So rather than giving him more advice, I asked him a simple question. What is your passion? And then I asked it again. What is your passion in life? It was transforming. Right when those words came out of my mouth, his shoulders were strengthened and straightened up. His eyes moved up from the ground, up to straight ahead of us. And we picked up our pace twofold. I started having to keep up with him. This young man was filled with exuberance as he shared what he was passionate about in life, what his dream was for his future. He started with an observation he had made early on in life as a child, and then he carried that through to the passion that he has today, the passion that he would love to live out in the next chapter of his story. And I will say that as he shared about this passion, it inspired me. It reminded me of a book I had read recently by Bill George called Discover Your True North. Your true north being your inner passion. Bill shares story after story of leader after leader realizing their true passion and then finding a way through thick and thin to live out that passion in their career, their call, their family, and their life. Almost every leader that Bill shares about had something in common. Early on, they had a pivotal event in their life, a watershed moment, a crucible, he calls it, that brought this passion to the forefront of their lives. One story was of a CEO of a pharmaceutical company. He said that when this man was a child, he was in and out of hospitals, constantly dealing with all kinds of health problems. And one afternoon, when he was a child and he was in the hospital and he was having to give blood, he felt like for the hundredth time to figure out what was wrong with him, he paused right there. And he decided this as a child that he would pursue a career as an adult where he could help children with health issues. That passion brought him to the pharmaceutical industry as an adult where he has led the way with medications to help children with some of the same health problems he had as a child. Amen? That's passion. Now I've thought about that question for the writer of Galatians, the Apostle Paul. How might Paul have answered that question with what we just read so far? Hey, Paul, what is the passion of your life? As we dig into this letter over the season of Lent, I think you will find a reoccurring theme in his life which reveals Paul's passion. It's one word, grace. You know what grace is, just in case you don't know, I'll tell you. Grace is the undeserved goodness and perfect favor of God for us through Jesus Christ. Paul had a burning passion for grace. It permeates this letter, it permeates every letter that Paul writes, and it defines his life, grace through Jesus Christ. 
Now, it wasn't always this way. Until the day when Paul, whose name used to be Saul, encountered his own crucible, a pivotal event that figuratively and literally opened his eyes to a brand new passion. Now, as a young man, he was part of a religious Hebrew order called the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were not without their own passions. The problem was it was misdirected and oppressive. They knew the laws of Scripture backwards and forwards, and not only that, but they added hundreds of other laws upon these laws just to make sure they got everything right. Their aim, they believed, if they lived by the law, they could gain God's favor. That's legalism. The burden they placed upon themselves and the burden they placed upon the people of God was unbearable and unattainable. For we are all aware that deep down inside there is nothing we can do on our own part to make ourselves and keep ourselves right with God. So as a Pharisee, when Paul heard of Jesus, when he heard of his death and his resurrection, when he heard of these gatherings of these followers of Christ, he made it his purpose, his passion in life, to extinguish this movement. Persecution, imprisonment, put them to death, whatever it took to rid the earth of this Jesus movement. It was offensive to him. Grace was offensive to him. Why? Because grace is a pride breaker. Depending upon God for all things, for life, for forgiveness of sin, for love, for God's favor, that is a pride breaker. And every one of you that has given your life to Christ, you know how that was a pride breaker, how you had to depend upon God for all things. So Paul's legalism and his pride led him to be an angry man. You ever been around someone like that? Hmm. This anger and pride mixed with fear and hate moved him to want to destroy the church. And then one day, one day, as he was making his way to Damascus to continue with this rampage, he was blinded by the light. He fell to the ground, and he heard the voice of Jesus, the risen Christ who was standing right before him. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I am Jesus. I'm the one you are actually persecuting. Get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Saul, who would later have his name changed to Paul, had experienced on the road to Damascus the grace of God. And from that moment on, he was set free to really live. His eyes were opened, he was baptized, and we are told that in no time, he's telling people about Jesus. He's telling people about the grace of God. He couldn't hold it inside. He had his crucible, and his life passion would become the grace of God in Jesus his Lord. Now we see a pattern there of Paul in that introduction. We see that as grace takes hold, when we believe that God has done everything for us, 
When we believe that we are in the perfect favor of God because of Jesus, we are then given a sense of peace. We're given a sense of wholeness because we know that we are perfectly in God's loving will. And when that grace combined with that peace comes into our life, we become a people of a common passion. We want to love. We are freed up to love other people. That becomes our passion. Because that was the passion of Jesus Christ, who has set us free, free to live, and free to love. So I ask you again tonight, what is your passion? What is your passion for life? When you leave tonight, you're going to be given one of these purple carabiners. It's purple because that's the color of Lent. Thank you, Beth, for getting these for us. Now, we know what these carabiners are for. Rock climbers use these to secure themselves to something solid, freeing them up to enjoy the art and the sport of rock climbing. And so may it remind you during this season of Lent that we are secure in God's grace, freeing us up to live, freeing us up to love, freeing us up to follow God with the God-given passions that He gives us so that we can love God and we can love our neighbor. Amen? Amen. Kathy. Let us pray. Merciful God, you called us forth from the dust of the earth. You claimed us for Christ in the waters of baptism. So look upon us as we enter these 40 days bearing the mark of ashes and bless our journey through the desert of Lent. May our fasting be hunger for justice, our alms a making of peace, our prayer the song of humble and grateful hearts. All that we do and pray is in the name of Jesus, for in his cross you proclaim your love forever and ever. Amen. God's people of old put ashes on their heads as a sign and a symbol of frailty and the uncertainty of human life, of their need for forgiveness, and of their desire for renewal. So we begin our Lenten journey tonight with the sign of ashes, a symbol of our repentance and our desire for renewal. Ashes in the form of a cross, ashes of deadness, only because the cross gives us new life. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. The ushers will bring us a row at a time down the center aisle to be marked with the sign of the cross on your forehead. We invite you to then return to your seats by the side aisle. There is also going to be a server here in the transept, so you don't need to figure out how to do that. Um, we invite you, if you would like to receive the, the sign of the ashes and are unable to get up and walk forward, to tell the ushers, and someone will come to you and will sign you where you are seated. Let us worship God.
And so we are signed with earth, with death and with new birth, with repentance and with the desire for renewal. So let us confess our sin to God in the words that you'll find printed in your bulletin as we pray responsively. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You desire truth in the inner being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So hear us in this silence as we confess to you our sin. For we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As Lent begins, know that God understands how we struggle. The invitation is to remember the gift of God's grace and love, which transforms our hearts and our minds, that we may grow up into all that God has created us to be. The gift of grace and love is given to us again, here and now. Be at peace. Hear the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Tonight, the prayers of the people are sung prayers, and you'll find the Kyrie eleison on the music insert on page three. Kyrie eleison, have mercy. Christe eleison, have mercy. We're going to start with the chorus. Kyrie eleison, have mercy. Christe eleison, have mercy. Kyrie
of the Lenten disciplines is almsgiving or giving out of gratitude for all that God has given to us. And so tonight we begin that again. So we invite you as you feel led to give tonight at the, during the offering. Will the ushers please come forward? is my prayer for Lent. Make me more free, free me, more free from my old life, more free in my new. Make me more free, free me, more free in loving you. Make me more free, free me with power over sinning, more power to love. Make me more free, free me, fill me with your power and love, with wings like an
Let us pray. Almighty God, out of the abundance of your love, we offer these gifts to you. Accept them now to further the teaching and loving kindness of our great God and Savior, so that all people may find in him the abundant love he so richly promised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. As we come to this table tonight, we see the bread that reminds us of the body of Christ that was broken for us upon the cross to forgive us. And we see the wine that reminds us of the blood of Jesus shed for us upon the cross to reconcile us, to bring us back to our God and our Creator. When we come to this table, we see the grace, the peace, and the love of God. So join with me on our invitation to the temple, to the table. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. O Lord, we do give you thanks, for you are our God, and we are the creatures of your hand. You made us from the dust of the earth, breathed into us the breath of life, and set us in your world to love and to serve you. When sin had scarred the world and we had turned away from you, you entered into covenant to renew the whole creation. You sent prophets to call us back to your ways. You sent your Son to be our Savior. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who took upon himself the weight of our sin and carried the burden of our guilt. He shared our life in every way and, though tempted, was sinless to the end. In his death, he ransomed us from death's dominion. In his resurrection, he opened the way to eternal life. 
So gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be for us the body and blood of Christ. Lead us, O God, by the power of your Spirit to live as your love commands, as Jesus gave his life for ours. Help us to live our lives for others with humility and persistent courage until the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven. And so we pray for the coming of that day, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body given for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, This is the cup of the new covenant, poured out in my blood. Do this, remembering me. The Apostle Paul tells us that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we show forth the Lord's death until he comes again. It is our tradition for the ushers to bring you a row at a time down the center aisle. We invite you to take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and then return to your seats by the side aisle. So come, you who have much faith and you who have had little you who have come to this table often, and you for whom it has been a very long time, or perhaps you've never come before at all, you who have tried to follow, and you who have lost your way, all is ready. Come.
Through your son, Jesus Christ, you reconciled your people to yourself. Following his example of prayer and fasting, may we obey you with willing hearts and serve one another in holy love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us stand as we sing together, Show Me Your Ways. What if you were to take one of these carabiners tonight with you? It's a carabiner that's going to remind you of God's grace, God's peace, which is setting you free to love, setting you free to really live. What if you clipped it onto your keys, like I just did right there? And every morning when you wake up, you're going to say out loud, Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your peace so that I am set free to love, set free to live. God's favor upon you. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace that you may overflow with hope by the power of His Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. God bless you all. Amen.